Let's just stay standing and lift our hands to the Lord and just pray really quick. Heavenly Father, we thank you for everything that you did in 2012, Lord. We thank you for the amazing things you did. We thank you for seeing us through the difficult times that we had to face. We thank you, Lord, that as we've come out the other side, Lord, that we've come out stronger, that we've come out knowing you more. We've come out with our feet firmly planted on the rock Christ Jesus. And Lord, we thank you, Father, for that precious gift of revelation of who he is, because without that, Lord, we would stumble and we would fall. But with that, we have a foundation which we can stand on and walk in for the rest of our lives. And Lord, we give you all glory for that. And Lord, we thank you that that was made possible by the forgiveness that we received at the cross. And Lord, we're here to hear about and minister to be ministered to in the area of forgiveness. And Lord, we ask that you'd speak to our hearts, where there has been a hardening of our hearts, Father, in unforgiveness, Lord, Lord, that we would extend forgiveness, where there has been a, a, a lack of revelation of how much you have forgiven us, that there be a deep moving in our spirits, Lord, to understand the forgiveness that you've given us, that coming out of this today and this series, Lord, that we would be freer, that we would be more peaceful, that we would walk more in the love that you've prepared for us. Right now, you just right now stretch your hands forward as well to these baptism candidates and pray for them today on this great day of their lives. Father, we thank you for every person here getting baptized today. Lord, we thank you, Lord Jesus, that they are making a decision of discipleship, of obedience, that they are walking as Jesus walked, that they are walking in the plan and purpose of God for their life. And Lord, we thank you that as they get baptized today, it is the opening of a new chapter with them, Lord Jesus, as they step into new creation, Lord God. Lord Jesus, that they would leave behind the old and that they would step into the new, that they would step into your favor, your blessing, your abundance, your goodness, Lord Jesus. And Lord, we pray, Father, that this would be the first day of the rest of their walk with you, Lord. Lord, that they would go from strength to strength, that they would go from glory to glory as they walk full of your Holy Spirit. Lord, meet them right here where they're at, at their point of need and at their point of concern and at their point of stepping towards you. And Lord, that you would take them on to achieve all that you have called for them to achieve in a way which would bring you much glory. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering. Okay, you may take your seats. Now, did you have a good Christmas time? I had a fantastic Christmas time. I took Rebecca back to meet my family. We spent about a week there with, with the, them over Christmas, and then we're back here for New Year's Eve and had a fantastic time celebrating here in New Year's Eve. And it's so good to be starting the Bible school year next uh, t- tomorrow uh, with a brand new crop of new students. And if you are um, thinking about it, well, it's a little bit late, but do let us know anyway, and we'll see what we can do. Otherwise, get you ready and lined up for September, an exciting time in the presence of the Lord. And we're starting a new series today on forgiveness, uh, the power of forgiveness. And we really believe that 2013 is a year where God is calling you to walk freer, more peaceful, more full of His love, more full of His grace, without the baggage, without the things that are holding you back, walking on in the purposes of God. And to do that, forgiveness is central and essential. So in this series, we're going to look at today the forgiveness as the foundation of our faith. Then we're going to look at how to forgive ourselves, how to forgive others and walk free from offense, how to give and receive forgiveness, and in so doing, identify ourselves with our Father who is in heaven. Now, this issue of forgiveness is core and central, yet perhaps something that all of us struggle a lot with. 
knowing, A, how fully we are forgiven by the Father. B, knowing how fully we can forgive those around us because of that forgiveness. And C, knowing that when we walk in forgiveness, we walk in the knowledge of our Father, walk in a revelation of His grace. It is absolutely essential and central that we would come to an understanding of what forgiveness truly is so that we can live and enjoy our Christian experience to the full. Now, I would love to do something today with all of you. It would be to come and sit down next to you and ask you two very simple questions. First one, how are you? And the second one, how is your faith? Let me ask you from here, how are you? You great? You all great? Fantastic. Some of you didn't answer. Some of you were smiling too much when you answered. means that you didn't really mean it. (laughs) And how is your faith? Ruined. Growing. (laughs) That's good. I thought you said ruined. (laughs) Growing. (laughs) Fantastic. Now, all of you, is your faith growing? Fantastic. Now, what do we think the Christian gospel is about? If I was to ask you, what is the Christian gospel about, what would you say? Would you say it's about being good? Would you say that it's about coming to church on a Sunday? Would you say it's about praying to whichever God is good enough to listen to us? Or is it about having the Holy Spirit so that we can be powerful so that everybody will know us as a mighty man of God or woman of God? Is that what the gospel of Jesus Christ is about? Or is the gospel about our fiercely loving God coming to us, forgiving us at great cost and sacrifice to himself, and giving us a gift that none of us deserve, eternal life with him, enjoying him from the point that we encounter him all the way through for the rest of our lives on into eternity, and along that journey increasing in love, increasing in peace, increasing in blessing. Is that what we understand the gospel to be? Because sometimes we can get caught up in the other things which are important, the prayer, the regular church attendance, the faithfulness, the steadfastness, the believing God in the midst of difficulties. But if we lose sight of the fact that the gospel is centered on the fact that we have been forgiven a debt that we could not pay ourselves, then we can get very quickly into this area of trying to earn our relationship with the Lord. But God has freely given us this relationship with Him because of His forgiveness. I want 2013 for each one of you to be one of peace, one of freedom, one of moving forward with your life. And my end goal for today's message is this, that you would actually experience a sense of forgiveness, a sense of the love of God, and a sense of intimacy with God that perhaps you had lost touch with. And so I'm going to try, try, okay, let me not cross fingers or anything, but I'm going to try, preach short, minister long. So we'll believe God for that, amen? How about a miracle in 2013 right here at the start? Now, if we are not forgiven, we are still in sin, we still are conquered by our enemy. If we are not forgiven, we are still in prison. If we are not forgiven, we are not restored to God. If we are not forgiven, we are not new creations, we're still the same old us. If we are not forgiven, we have no relationship with God. If we are not forgiven, we have no hope of eternal life. And that is the reality of every person's experience until they have an experience which brings them into relationship with the living God. Now, God is present 
Our struggle, our difficulty, our lack of acknowledgement of Him bears no, has no bearing on whether He exists or not. God is. And that's it. It's us that need to change. It's us that need to draw near to Him. But it's very easy to know God is up there, but we are down here. Job, how many of you read the book of Job? I know a lot of people that love reading Job, and they like reading Job because they like to identify with the man who went through great struggles. But Job said this, God is not a man as I am that I might answer him, that we should come to trial together. There is no arbiter between us who might lay his hand on us both. He's saying God is so great, and me, righteous as Job was, upstanding as Job was, was unable to say that God owed him anything. There was a separation. He understood God was a great God, and him, as good as he was, had no right to contend or contest with God. Now, many would like to identify with Job and say, well, I'm just as righteous as Job, and the, and the reality is many of us are far from that level of righteousness. He would sacrifice every single day just in case one of his children had sinned. How many of you pray just in case you've sinned? You probably pray after you've sinned a couple of, couple of times. But Job was extremely righteous. But he still said, God is up there and I am down here. God is great and I am not and there's no one to bridge the gap. But all of us today can know God better than Job knew God. Amen? Because Job said there is no one to intercede between me and God, but all of us have the great intercessor, Jesus Christ, who comes to bridge that gap between us and God and brings us into reconciliation and relationship with him. Amen? And that Jesus has done something extremely powerful for every single one of us. Colossians 2, I'll read from about verse 11, um, but there's a great section from 7 through to 15. Colossians 2, and you who were dead in your trespasses and the uncircumcision of your flesh, God has made alive together with him, having forgiven us all our trespasses by canceling the record of debt that stood against us with its legal demands. This he has set aside, nailing it to the cross. He disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame by triumphing over them in it. Do you know that the day you put your faith in Jesus Christ, you entered into such a profound forgiveness that every single sin ever that you could commit and will commit is forgiven. Every single sin forgiven. Every single sin. Especially that one that's hopping up in your head right now. Yeah, but God couldn't forgive me this one. Or maybe you've got the long list as long as your arm. But you see, Jesus, when he went to the cross, took both of those lists, nailed them to the cross, and that's where they are. They're not on your shoulders. They were taken. They have been wiped clean. That is the single biggest thing that every human being needs to know. You might be here in church because of the prosperity principles that you sometimes hear preached. 
You might be here in church because you want to make sure that you get your righteousness built up so that by the time you hit Tuesday, you still feel like you can at least call yourself a Christian. But that by the time you hit Saturday, I need to get back into church Sunday because I need to build that back up again. Maybe you're here today because you felt guilty about something you did over New Year's. Maybe you're here today because your friend told you as a part of a New Year's resolution, you need to get to church, you need to sort your life out. But I want to ask you, are you here because you know that you're forgiven? Are you here because you know that every single sin you've committed has been wiped out, you are now a new creation, and you are able to walk free and purposeful in the plan of God for your life? Because that's why all of us should be here. Amen? Do you know how forgiven you are? Now, this thing is very difficult for us to come to understanding and terms with because we get the idea, hey, you know what, you guys tell me I'm forgiven. And there's this thing called grace, and you guys talk a lot about grace. And the kind of conclusion that I would come to when I hear you talk about grace is all of my sin is forgiven. I'm fully set free from that, so I can go sin some more. That's absolute rubbish. We can't go sin some more. Why? Because we are so forgiven that it's as if we are made new. Imagine if you were to go to the shop and buy the whitest shirt that you could buy. Absolute whitest shirt that you could buy. And if you're anything like me, anytime you eat, I spill food on myself. I just have to tuck the bib in up here still. But you, do you spill food on your shirts? Probably not. Or well too good eaters, way too good eaters. But that shirt might get dirty. The best you could do is maybe, if you're lucky, bring it back to something close to. If you stuck it in bleach, maybe, it might come back something close to the original appearance of white that it had. But when Jesus cleans you, but much better than bleach, he takes you right back through beyond the best that you could be as a filthy sinner. Right beyond the best you could be as one that is born as a slave to sin, right beyond that, out the other side, into freedom as a son of God, a daughter of God. That position is much cleaner, purer, wholer, freer than the best you could possibly have been if you'd never messed up in your life. He's made you a new creation. And when we make it into this place of new creation, one of the things that we struggle with is we really want to try to keep there. So we start looking at the Bible and we start seeing rules and regulations. Don't kill your, kill your, well, don't kill, don't commit adultery, don't steal, don't lie. Okay, you know what? Well, it seems like there's a lot of rules, so I'm going to try to keep all of these rules to prove just how holy I am. But you see, for us now today, we're Gentiles. We're not Jewish people, though there might be some Jews here or there might be some wannabe Jews here. You don't have to pretend to be a Jew. You're a Gentile, but you are united in Christ by the forgiveness that is received at the cross. It says in Ephesians 2.13, But now in Christ Jesus, you Gentiles who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. For he himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in his flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandments expressed in ordinances that he might create in himself one new man in place of the two, so making peace, and might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. What does this verse mean? The Jews live under the law. They know the law. That is what they, their measure of righteousness is by. The Gentiles were not given the law by God to walk under. 
The Jews would keep the Gentiles out because they did not keep the law of the Jews. The solution for us today is not to become Jewish or is not to go and abide by the rules that the Jews abide by. Why? Because that's the old covenant. God has erased that covenant and brought the Jews into the same covenant that we have with Him, one that is of righteousness by faith. So even in their understanding, the way of walking under the law is no longer valid even for the Jew. Because they have been brought into this new covenant with God where we walk in the forgiveness that comes by Him through the new covenant of Jesus Christ. Am I making sense to you? It's important that I lay that foundation because I want to come to some of the practical issues that forgiveness relate to. Because when we receive forgiveness, we receive a forgiveness of all sin, past, present, and future in such a way that we can walk as Jesus walked, as Jesus intends for us to walk. By receiving that forgiveness, we are put in a position of conquering our enemies. By receiving that forgiveness, we are put in a position of restoration. With forgiveness, we have our new creations. With forgiveness, we now have relationship with God. With forgiveness, we've been liberated from the jail that was prepared for us. With forgiveness, we have been given the gift of eternal life. And when we come, like all of these people here today are coming to be baptized, they are stepping into very much the full experience of that freedom. In Scripture, when people heard the preaching of the gospel, what they heard was this. Jesus Christ died for your sins on the cross. After three days, He was raised from the dead, and He is now seated at the right hand of the Father. And for you to experience Him, you enter into faith by turning away, repenting, believing in the cross, and coming and getting baptized, because getting baptized is being united with Christ in His death and united with Him in His resurrection. When you go down into the, old, into the water, you leave behind the old man. When you come up out of the water, you come up into the resurrection life that is in Jesus Christ. And when you step into that place, it is a powerful spiritual experience which enables you to now walk free as a new creation in Jesus. It's so important that we understand that that is the gospel message. It's not the baptism that saves you. You are saved by your faith in Jesus Christ, but it is the experience of baptism which washes away the old man and causes you to come alive to the new man in Christ Jesus. Some of you here today need to be here getting baptized because that is central to the gospel message. If you look in Acts, every single person that responded in faith to Christ put their faith in Christ and got baptized the same day. The worst experience in Scripture for us is Paul. He took three days to get baptized. Tut, tut. Now, all of us took a long time to get baptized, I'm sure. Some of us took months. Some of us took weeks. Some of us took years. Baptism is supposed to happen day one. Just chuck that out there for you. But in that powerful experience, the powerful experience that you come into, when you come to get baptized, when you come to lay your life on the, at the foot of the cross, when you repent, when you believe in Jesus, that forgiveness has within it two powerful experiences. One is that it destroys the ability of the enemy to work in your life. And the second is it enables you to experience the love of the Father. It destroys the power of the enemy in your life, and it enables you 
to walk in relationship with God. If only we knew how powerful this gospel message is, the forgiveness that we've received is. Anytime you came under attack, devil, you have no right. I am forgiven by the blood of Jesus. Anytime you found yourself struggling under circumstances or situations where you know the enemy is oppressing you, devil, that person that you think you had a right to attack is dead and buried in the waters of baptism. I am a new creation in Christ Jesus. Get off me. Amen? This means, as that passage I read to you at the start, he disarmed the rulers and authorities and put them to open shame open shame by triumphing over them in it. And yet we cower and are ashamed and scared because the enemy comes against, oh no, please don't attack me, devil, please. Why? He has been ashamed publicly. You have been forgiven publicly. You have been owned publicly by the Lord Jesus Christ. You walk with him publicly by coming to church, by being a Christian in your workplace, by being open about your faith in your family. As a Christian, being open publicly means that you are declaring something powerful to the enemy. I know who I am. I know that I'm fully forgiven. I know whatever you think you can come and tell me, devil, I know that I am forgiven and blessed and you gotta shut up. Because you're ashamed, I'm not ashamed. That's why Paul said, I'm not ashamed of the gospel, because it's the power of God unto salvation. The power of the enemy is destroyed. But the second point is that we might experience the love of the Father. In Luke 7, 47, there's this interesting story about the lady who has come into Simon's house where Jesus is being hosted and Simon did not give Jesus water for his hands, did not give him oil for his head, did not treat him in any way as a guest should be treated. And yet a woman came in, she fell at his feet, she poured fragrant oil on his feet, and she wiped it in with her hair. And he says to her, uh, Jesus says something powerful to Simon. I say to you, Simon, her sins, which are many, are forgiven, for she loved much. But to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. What does this mean? Does this mean that she loved God so well that he forgave her? No, rather it's in the revelation of Jesus' love for her. She responded by loving back. In the revelation that Jesus first loved her while she was still a sinner, she was able and free to respond by loving back. She recognized the forgiveness that she'd received, and so she freely gave of herself in love to Jesus by washing his feet with her hair. When we come into this experience of forgiveness with God, it changes not just our relationship with our Father who is in heaven, but it changes the potential of our relationship with everyone around us. Jesus empowered us with something that we need to take and put into practice in our lives. And this is where you're really going to start to see just how much the forgiveness that you've received will affect the life of you and those around you. Because it's when we start to have to forgive those around us that we begin to see just how much we've been forgiven and actually how much of a struggle we have with forgiveness and how much forgiveness means for us. Jesus taught us to pray something powerful. He said, Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and 
forgive us our debts, as we also forgive our debtors. Forgive us our wrong, just as we forgive those who have wronged us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For if you forgive others their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive you your trespasses. Sometimes we read those verses and we think, oh my God, I don't stand a hope in heaven of getting into heaven. Because I can't forgive everybody. You know, if I have to forgive everybody in order to get my Father's forgiveness, then I'm struggling. How many of us would think that? If my salvation is dependent upon my ability to forgive everybody that's ever wronged me, well, good heavens, I'm lost. But the point is this, is that we have received in Jesus a revelation of the forgiveness of God, so much so that for us to withhold the same from our brother or sister is to go against the very one who's given his life for us. For us to resist forgiveness to those around us who have hurt us and we have a right to be angry with is to go against the one who has freely forgiven us and has every right to be angry with us. Every right for us to go to hell. Every right for us to live in eternal punishment. Yet he forgave. And he calls us to begin to walk in that same forgiveness. And it's actually not a disempowerment. What Jesus is interested in doing and teaching us this prayer of forgiveness is releasing us to become powerful people in our environments. Releasing us so that we can enter into rest, so that we can enter into love, so that we can enter into his peace. If Jesus thought that all we needed to do to get peace was to ask for peace, he would have said to us, pray like this, our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth is in heaven, give us this day our daily bread and give us peace. If all we had to do to get peace was to ask for peace, then that's what Jesus would have taught us to do. Note that Jesus taught us to ask for forgiveness and to release forgiveness. Why would he teach us that? Because in the act of forgiveness, we receive peace. In the act of love, we receive his goodness into our lives. You today... You want to know what forgiveness looks like? Do you want to experience forgiveness in such a way that you receive profound peace in your heart? You've heard enough of the gospel in the past. You know what the gospel message is. Some of you maybe not, and I'll give you an altar call later on. But all of you know what the gospel message is. So if you're not walking in the fullness of peace and love and rest that is intended, I want to ask you this question. Do you know what forgiveness looks like? It says in Colossians 3.13, bear with one another. And if anyone has a complaint against another, forgive one another. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. Now the thing, the trap that I fell into was to assume 
that forgiveness just happens automatically. I didn't feel, in that conversation, I didn't feel a bad attitude towards that person, so there's nothing for me to deal with. And yet they've said something to me which could have been hurtful, which I could have taken as offensively. Now, I didn't react badly in the situation, but what I did do was to pull away from that person and not spend time with them. And I began to assume that I was practicing forgiveness. Forgiveness is not accidental. Forgiveness is purposeful. It is an act of the will. Forgiveness is reaching out and intentionally, when somebody has done you wrong, when somebody deserves punishment, when somebody deserves exposure, you choose to forgive. Now, what am I saying by saying this? I'm not saying that what they've done wasn't wrong. I'm not saying that you should ignore what they've done. I'm not saying that you should pretend it didn't happen. I'm not saying that what they've done doesn't deserve punishment. What I am saying is that you need to forgive. It might be that someone has done something really terrible. It might be that you've been a victim of sexual abuse. It might be that you're a victim of somebody going around slandering, spreading a lot of rumors, saying a lot of things about you that aren't true. Join the club, it happens to us ministers all the time. Wish people could keep their mouths shut when they don't know what they're talking about. But it happens. It might be that you had someone rip you off, take all of your money, run away. It might be that your family said, we don't ever want you to be our kid anymore. You're out. Don't come home. It might be that someone dumped you and ran off with your friend. It might be that you got beaten up on the street, mugged on the street. It might just be that your friend took your, uh, someone else's side instead of taking your side. It might be that someone pushed in front of you on the way onto the tube and you got mad about it. It might be that someone was eating crisps really noisy in the cinema. Whatever it is, all of it needs forgiveness. There is no sin too bad that it cannot be forgiven. It might take a lot of work on your part. You might have to struggle and wrestle with it a lot. You might have to get on your knees every day and ask God for the grace to carry on forgiving. But all of it needs to be forgiven. Why? Well, first let's ask this question. What do we need to forgive? We need to forgive any single action that prevents us from loving the person in front of us. We need to forgive any single word, any single action, any single thing that somebody who's right in front of us has done to us in such a way that we cannot love them. Now, you might have to love from a distance. I'm not saying that you forgive your abuser and go back into the relationship. But you forgive them in such a way that you can pray for them to be blessed even if you never have to have a relationship with them again. You forgive them in such a way that you can pray for God to shine His face upon them even when they don't deserve it. 
That's what we need to forgive, anything that stops us from being powerful Christian people. Because Jesus said, by your love, they will know that you are my disciples. If you are unable to love, you are unable to demonstrate your discipleship in Christ. Forgive anything that prevents you from loving. Why do we need to forgive? We've heard it all. If you don't forgive, you don't experience the Father's forgiveness. But if you have an unforgiving attitude, it might trouble you to know this, that in refusing to forgive, you actually cut yourself off from a full revelation of your Heavenly Father. You cut yourself off from a full understanding of His gracious forgiveness. His forgiveness is still extended. His love is still extended, but you refuse it because you don't want to practice what He is doing on your behalf. I want to say to you, whatever struggle you might be having, you are not unique in the struggle. You are not the first one to go through that challenge. Have every compassion for what you are experiencing or have experienced, but don't fool yourself to think that you don't count in this word concerning forgiveness. It might trouble you to know that you might be cutting yourself off from the experience of God's forgiveness, but secondly, you might trouble you to know that it's not pleasing to God withholding forgiveness. In Ephesians 4:30 through 32 it says, "Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and slander be put away from you along with malice. Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, as God in Christ forgave you." Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by making sure that you forgive. Is there anything more pleasing to the Holy Spirit than identifying with Him in that forgiveness just as we have received forgiveness? Maybe I haven't really hit it home for you, so I'm going to tell you three stories, two stories we know very well. One story is going to hit us right between the eyeballs. The first story is the story of Jesus. He's hanging on the cross, dying for you, dying for me. And he says, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. He wasn't saying, Father, I forgive them. You know what he was saying? Father, I've already so forgiven them that I ask that you would also forgive them and not take out the punishment that they deserve that is yours. It says in Scripture that vengeance is mine, I will repay. That is God's right and prerogative as the only judge of the universe. It is his right and prerogative to judge. But Jesus had so forgiven the people that were crucifying him that he was also able to say to the Lord who is in heaven, the Father in heaven, forgive them also. See, he did what he was supposed to do, forgive, which is what all of us were supposed to do, forgive. But sometimes we might say, Father, I forgive, but you just make sure that you knock them out, okay? But Jesus, on the cross for us, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Stephen, another man in Acts 7, 59 and 60, said the same. He preached the gospel message and the Pharisees took up stones to stone him and he fell on his knees and he saw Jesus standing alongside the Father in heaven and he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Two great inspirations from Scripture. But there's one story of a friend of mine who's in my cell group from the Congo. His father was a significant man in the Congo, and during the revolution, 
His father was invited to join the new side. He refused, and his head was taken from his body. At the time, my friend was in Paris, and he heard the news, and it grieved him deeply. He was wrestling with God for years, something like 10 years, until one day he walked into church, and he saw the men who were responsible for the death of his dad. He knew who they were. He saw them in his church. And he went and he invited them around to his house. And he invited their children around to play with his children. And he forgave them and he prayed for them to be blessed. When I heard that story, I wept when I heard that story. The worst possible thing you could think of. And his children were playing with their children. So much had he forgiven. So much had he blessed. That same forgiveness is what is received by all of us. All of us are responsible for Jesus and his death upon the cross because of our sin. We didn't ask for it. We didn't go back and say, Jesus, will you die for me? But the reality is, if he had not, we would be lost in our sin. There would be no hope for us. We would not be able to come back and play with God, hang out with God, enjoy eternity with God. Every single one of us has received that and more level of forgiveness than that expressed by my friend. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. 2 Corinthians 5, 18 and 19. For while we were still weak at the right time, Christ died for the ungodly. For one will scarcely die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person one would dare even to die. But God shows his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Since therefore we have now been justified by his blood, much more shall we be saved by him from the wrath of God. I want us to bow our heads right now and I'm going to give an invitation to those of you who've never experienced this forgiveness that I'm talking about today. A forgiveness that so cleanses you, that so transforms you, that so liberates you that you can walk in relationship with God from whom you are cut off if you're still in your sins. He's the God that I'm calling you to accept, to receive in your life today. And the way that I want you to do that is to raise your hand in the air and say, I need Jesus in my life. I'll tell you when to do that, but that's how I want for you to respond. Now, don't worry, everyone's head is down. They can't see you, but I want to see your hand. I want to see you say, I need that forgiveness today. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to pray together. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of Jesus.
We thank you that Jesus died on the cross for me so that all my sin might be forgiven, so that I might become a new creation in Christ. I'm no longer a sinner. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. And I reach out and receive that by faith. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, heads down, if you prayed that and you want Jesus in your life, that way, that forgiveness, simply raise your hand in the air, boldly, high, lift it high, in Jesus' name. Thank you so much. So many of you putting your hands up all over this room. Father, I pray for every single person that has raised their hand right now. And Lord, I ask, Lord, that you would make yourself present to them. Lord, that you would reveal yourself to them right now by your Spirit, that you would lift off every condemnation, that you would lift off every fear, that you would lift off every sense of shame, and in exchange, that you would give them life and life in abundance. Lord, I pray, Father, that today would be a day of experience and encounter with you as they make this decision to follow you today. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Let's give the Lord a big praise offering. Now, we're not over with the service. Um, we've still got some time. I want to minister to you guys. There are people that, if you raise your hand, there are people standing near you. They'd love to give you a copy of a Bible and pray with you real quick. So don't feel freaked out if they're there. Just spend a couple of moments with them. That would really help. But for the rest of us, I want us to stand up. And I want us to get before God to do something really significant tonight, right now. So let's stand up. And I want you to listen and pay attention to what I'm saying. I am not asking you to start to look at yourself, how bad you are, the sins you've committed, how terrible you are, and how much you need to get right with God. I'm not asking you for that. What I'm asking you to do right here in this place while Peter plays on the piano is start to ask God who you have not forgiven and start to release forgiveness to them. Because I want you to experience today the forgiveness of God. I want you to experience the love of God. I want you to experience peace that you have not experienced for a while. And you need, you need it. But you need to face up to these things that you're unwilling to deal with so far. The people that you need to forgive. So I want you to ask, Holy Spirit, who is it that I'm not, maybe you know straight away, but who is it that I've not forgiven yet? And you'll know very quickly the people. You'll know very quickly the people. And start to pray for them. Start to pray these words, Father, I forgive that person. They treated me so terribly, but I choose to forgive them. Father, they might never get punished, but I choose to forgive them. If you want peace, it's right there in the prayer. Forgive those who are our debtors, just as you have forgiven us our debts. Start to pray before God. Make 2013 a new start, a fresh start. Leave behind in 2012 and beyond the baggage that you are carrying. Leave behind the issues that you are carrying and step into the freedom that is in Christ Jesus.
Start to pray right where you are. Start to pray with your hearts. Start to pray with your hearts. Start to pray forgiveness upon those people. Start to pray blessing upon those people. Jesus. Father, your people, Lord, as they begin to pray, Lord Jesus, I ask for a release of your Holy Spirit right across this place this afternoon. I ask for a wave of your Spirit right across this place this afternoon, Lord. Lord, a wave of peace, a wave of healing, a wave of restoration, Lord, as your people begin to step out into new levels of freedom. Start to pray, start to seek God, start to forgive. Start to forgive from the bottom of your heart. Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. Lord Jesus, we thank you for how much you have forgiven us. Lord, where there are those that are holding back, that don't feel that they can forgive, Lord, I ask that you to just pull back the curtain and show them just how much you have forgiven them. Pull back the curtain, let them see just how much they are forgiven. And let them release that forgiveness to those that have wronged them. Let them release that forgiveness to those that have sinned against them. Father, fill them. Just raise your hands right where you are if you've been praying, seeking God. Just ask Him for a fresh infilling of your love. Father, we ask for an infilling of your love today as we release people in forgiveness. We ask for your peace that passes all understanding. Where we've been asking why and why me and why did I have to struggle with that? You'd put your peace that passes all understanding in the hearts of your people as they let go and forgive. Lord, that you'd put mercy in their hearts as they begin to see just how much you have forgiven them. That they would love much. That they would forgive much. Pour out your spirit upon them today. Fill them with your spirit today. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. 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 Let's give the Lord a big praise offering right now.